You're listening to The Capital Table. Private capital markets have been evolving for many years, but never more so than in recent times. Take a seat at The Capital Table with leading experts discussing insights into the private equity and M&A worlds, and take away the knowledge you need to excel in a rapidly changing marketplace. We know this is one table you'll leave feeling full and satisfied. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of The Capital Table. I'm Steve Brady, the market leader for Transaction Advisory and a partner here at Witham. I'm excited today to be joined by my partner, Tom Angel, who is the team leader of our financial services practice. And we're going to talk about private equity funds, fees, and expenses. Tom, welcome. Thanks, Steve. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Pleasure to have you here and certainly an important topic as it relates to our friends in the private equity world. Uh, Tom, the firm has been one of the sponsors of the private fund CFO fee and expense survey. Can you give us an overview of the survey? Sure. So the survey was taken in uh, May and June of 2020. So um, right kind of in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, There were approximately 200 funds that responded. And it was a large cross-section of fund sizes and uh, countries in which the funds were based. Um, So some of the answers may have been um, a little bit um, changed than what they may have been just because we were in the middle of the pandemic. But um, we got a good amount of response and some good um, answers which we can compare to some of the answers from questions we had in prior years. That's great. So Witham's participated in this survey for a number of years. Why do you see in the responses that these uh, responses have changed over the years? Um, Yeah, so we've been part of this survey since 2016. The survey's done every two years. We've had about the same number of um, participants each year, and the cross-section is pretty much the same. I think over time, you know, combination of things have occurred. Um, We can get into discussions about some of those things later, but obviously 2014, Um, The SEC, because funds had to register, um, started to do presence exams and so would shed light on some of the behaviors they thought were um, between um, incorrect in terms of following the agreements or potentially bordered on illegal behavior. Uh, And then you've had change in market conditions over time. So I think that tends to... um, change some of the answers. There were some consistencies where not much had changed over the years, but um, for the most part, you can see a pattern developing based upon what type of activities happening in market and also what type of outside pressures are being brought to bear on the funds because there's more transparency and more items are coming out into the public. Great. So can you discuss what has changed over the years? Sure. So um, I think, you know, if you go back to 2014, 
um, the director of office compliance inspections and examinations, Andrew Bodwin, back in 2014, gave a speech at a conference, um, and it was called the um, Sunshine Speech. Um, and basically, um, he was saying that he was going to shed some light uh, on the private equity industry. And so there were a number of things that they looked at and saw and actually some enforcement actions which which came out of them. But things that uh, they had some concerns over were the LPA agreements were really vague, uh, didn't have a lot of detail on the types of expenses or fees that were being charged. You know, you have your typical management fee and your carry, but a lot of the other fees that were associated uh, with how private equity funds operated weren't really laid out in detail. Uh, wasn't a lot of transparency, so LPs typically back then would, you know, find a manager they thought was a really good manager and be happy to give them the money, get their returns, which were outsized returns compared to maybe the general stock market or other areas, and, and be happy with that and not really question what was going on because they were getting good returns. Um, there were other things that they noticed. Um, you know, I can go into more detail on some of those later, but there were a lot of conflicts that they saw and how the funds operated, who paid um, some of their consultants, the funds consultants that is, whether the money was coming from the management company um, or whether the money was coming from the fund. So there, there were some discrepancies on that. And, and again, lack of transparency in the documents. Um, and not really dealing with fees and expenses, but um, another issue was marketing and, and valuations. Uh, they had found instances where valuations were elevated right around the time the fund was going to raise money. So those were the four main areas that were focused on in their first set of president's exams that they went through. And there's not much has changed. Um, with what OC is focusing on. Every year they come out with what they're going to be focus on, focusing on. And fees and expenses have been there every year. So it's always something they're going to take a look at. What are some specific examples that the OCIE enforcement has had on funds you know, beyond the overview that you just touched on? So a um, couple of examples of where enforcement actions came into play and the types of items that they were looking at. So, you know, we talked before about how some of the um, consultants um, and or other fees and expenses that the fund were charging weren't really disclosed in the docs. Um, so one example is uh, something called monitoring fees. And basically it was a fee that the portfolio company would pay to the management company actually it wouldn't even go to the fund and um, what would happen is they would have the portfolio company sign an agreement 10-year agreement let's say for 100,000 a year and the portfolio company would pay this and typically a fund would hang on to a portfolio company five seven years tops but once the portfolio company was sold the monitoring agreement accelerated so the 
management company would get the rest of the fees. So they were basically guaranteeing themselves a million dollars in fees. And even if they use this to offset the management company, in theory, they're reducing the EBITDA of the portfolio company and therefore reducing its value, assuming it's sold on an EBITDA basis. So OC felt that um, there wasn't a lot of transparency with the LPs. The um, GPs were generating these fees and keeping these fees and basically reducing the potential value of the portfolio company by capturing these fees. Uh, there are also instances of um, operating partners. So typically an operating partner would be someone that the GP would be familiar with, um, could bring them in as a CEO, could bring them in as, as a logistics consultant, uh, supply chain, any, any of those areas that they may bring them in. And then the portfolio company would pay their fees. But if you went on the private equity funds website, all these operating partners would be listed on the website. So it was marketing for the private equity fund, but uh, OC felt it was misleading to have them on the website because it appeared as if they were employees of the management company and, and the GP and not, um, not separate employees that would wind up being paid by the portfolio company. So. OC had issues with a number of ways that these fund managers were generating fees out of the portfolio company, in theory reducing their value so they weren't being sold for as much. And then the funds would be generating these fees and collecting more cash on, on the deal than they normally would have um, on just getting their 20% carry on, on a higher sale value of, of the portfolio company. That's great, Tom. Uh, can you give us some specific examples of what has changed in the survey questions over the years? Sure. Um, I think one that's probably a perfect example is one of the questions that was asked were, um, were there expenses allowed to be charged by the documents, but you didn't charge? And you can see over time, where the 2020 survey showed a higher percentage of the general partners not charging uh, particular expenses that were allowed in the document, but they um, just felt like they weren't going to charge them. Um, it could have been a one-time fee. It could have been some other item. But I think because of the OC, enforcements and the concern on the transparency and potential questions from the LPs. Over time from 2016 to 2020 in those three years, there was a definite increase in the concern from the GPs on charging expenses even though they were allowed. So they were much more willing to forgo a particular expense and having to deal with the potential issues down the road. Now that's a really interesting dynamic and effect of what's been going on from the OCIE because uh, certainly not charging expenses is not what you would expect to be an outcome. So interesting point. Okay. Well, that's all our time for today, everyone. So thanks again for joining us for this edition of the Capital Table on Fees and Expenses. 
Uh, certainly there's more topics around private equity funds and uh, we look forward to talking with Tom again down the road on the Capitol Table. You've been listening to the Capitol Table. For more information, please visit witham.com. Thank you for listening.